We are back in the football shed. My name's John Hewitt and Jeff King is here. Good night. And no Roger Gibbs. No Roger Gibbs. It is date night because Roger Gibbs is off sniffing, sniffing soil in Sydney. So for those who don't know what Roger does for a living, uh, nor do I. <laughs> <laughs> Something to do with dirt. Yeah, he sniffing. fucks around with soil and science. And uh, goes to Sydney to talk about it with his mud mates. Is there a more boring conference than a soil conference? <laughs> like, is that, that's not a work perk, is it? <laughs> Rog living the dream in Sydney. Um, but we are the Football Shed. There's usually three of us, but this week there's just two of us. Um, we record each week in Jeff's Shed, hence the name Football Shed. Um, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify, because we like to live in the future. Um, if you enjoy it, give us a review, subscribe on iTunes, tell your mates... Um, also, if you want to get in contact with us, you can shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram. And every week, we start with a question, but you're definitely going to get it right. Well, you're going to be closest. Do you think I'll be, I'll be closest? <laughs> if, I get, if I get it wrong, if I'm a loser? Yes. Well, you're def- yeah, you could be, you're going to be first loser and first winner yeah. this week. But this week's Good. question is about, about Jaden Sancho. Now, you know Jaden Sancho plays for Dortmund in the German League. He just signed a new contract. He just signed a new contract 2022. Yes. Was that the question? Because I'm all over it. No. Ah! But he is the highest assist getter in the top five leagues in Europe this season. Yes. Six assists. He's played... There's been six games. How many minutes of those six games has he played? Out of a possible 540. He's not a starter for Dortmund. So... Even though he's like he, even though he's doing absolutely brilliant, but the thing is, Dortmund are a good side with good players. They're so top you, of the league, so you can't expect. Uh, how old is he? Nineteen, something like that. Uh, Seventeen still. Seventeen. Yeah, he's smashing it. And he's the Europe's top assister. Yeah, assister. Yeah, he's not. He's not, a, he's he's not, not a, a sister. A sister. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, a, an assister. I think he has played eighty minutes of football. He's played one hundred and twenty-four. So 124 minutes, which is pretty close. So by default, I win? Yes. (laughs) That was still crap. But six assists in 124 minutes, like, that's a game and a half. He's got six assists, which is ridiculous. So what's his future? Do you think he's going to stay at Dortmund? Do you think he's going to... Yeah, I I think he's going to... They've given him the number seven shirt. Um, He's going to be the main man. Like, he's a team that plays young players. They've got... um, What's his name? Pulisic. He's yeah. an American guy who's 19. And he's two years ahead of um, Sancho. And he's just like their star. He's super, And that will be Sancho in two years' time. Pulisic will get bought by um, by Barcelona. And then Sancho steps up. And if he's only 17 and they've signed him to the, till 2022, yeah. it's amazing. And he's on, a, he's on a big money deal now. They've, they've locked him in. He's first team, yeah, main man. Um, there's talk of him. There's an England squad announced tomorrow. And there's talk of him getting put in the England squad. Which if Trent Alexander-Arnold and players like that can get in the England squad, there's, it, it would be a really obvious bit of Premier League bias if he doesn't get... Well, the, yeah, because the other one that they're talking about is Phil Foden, who's played, I think, 30 minutes of Premier League football and not done anything in the Premier League. He was great in the Carabao Cup. But they're talking about him getting promoted. But there's no talk... There's a little bit of talk about Sancho, but not as much. Whereas if Sancho played in the Premier League for Man City and had six assists in 120 minutes of football everyone be going nuts yeah absolutely do you know who I feel sorry about so last year we spoke quite a lot about um, the the young English players who were moving overseas for their chance yeah. and that was a time where 
Sancho was there, Lookman was there. I feel sorry for Lookman. Yeah. So in the summer, for those that don't keep quite abreast with, with Everton's <laughs> transfer <laughs> shenanigans, um, Lipzig put three bids in him. Bid, bids in him bids yeah. for him yeah. um, progressively more and more money and Everton and just said money as well it wasn't like shit money, money. Yeah. yeah turning a massive profit yeah. and Everton said no he's part of our future he's part of our future and Marcus Silva said he's part of the present the present, and part of the future DNA of this club like real showed faith in him and told him to come back suck it up been on loan yeah. for the six months fine um, and he did really well by the way yeah. at Leipzig he did better last year than any of the other British players yeah. in Germany Um and he's seen one substitute appearance in the Premier League, started this morning's Carabao Cup game and got yeah. subbed off. I've, I feel bad for the bloke. I think um, I think he'll go in January. And I just think more and more English players are going to go because you're out of the limelight. Like Sancho must be loving it because you've got great fans supporting you and thinking you're amazing and exotic and fancy. Exotic. And young British players, exotic. You know, like when Gabriel Jesus comes over, everyone's like, ooh, is it, must be amazing. Yeah. And that's what Sancho must be feeling like right now. But no English media going mental about him and not going questioning what he's doing, why he's doing it, where he's going, if he's going out or whatever. Just get on with his life. And here's the thing, right? So uh, you look at situations like this. So, so um, CSKA beat Real Madrid this morning, yes. right? 1-0. Do you see who scored? Yeah, Vlasic. Yeah, Everton. See, you know you complained two weeks ago. There's no Everton players in the... We weren't in the Champions League. Yeah, well, great. <laughs> yeah, he's, and he scored the fastest goal that Real Madrid have ever conceded in the Champions yeah. League for CSK And CSK won 1-0. Or sorry, Seska. Seska. Seska yes. won 1-0. Yeah. Um, it makes you think, you know, was he good enough to play in the Premier League? No. So then, what would you rather? Would you rather play for a title-winning side in Russia and beat Real Madrid in the Champions League on a, on a Tuesday night or be on Everton's bench and lose against Southampton in the Carabao Cup. Play so, for Seska. Well, of course you would. Yeah. So, so the, the premise that the Premier League is is better and that's the pinnacle, but you're not going to get a game. Or, that, like, you've only got one life. This kid now, and I say he's a kid, he's 19, 20 years yeah. old or whatever, he was playing for um, Hijuk Split. Yeah. Uh, got signed by Everton, barely got a game. Yeah. Signed by Kuman after Everton beat Hijack Split because he was the best player on the park for the other side. Good, Ten, good, good scouting. Yeah, <laughs> £10 million for the best yeah. player who played for the opponents who no one's ever heard of. <laughs> Sat on the bench for a year. Now he's fucking scoring against Real Madrid in the Champions League on loan. But then if you're, you've got to believe that you can make it in the Premier League as a player. Every footballer has an ego. You can't make it to the top unless you have an ego. So if you... If Vlasic made it in the Premier League for Everton, then he'd be like, oh yeah, I've been the main striker for Everton. I played so well for them as the main striker. Look what happened to Lukaku. He went to Man United. Maybe that's me next. Like, you you would believe that. And like, after a year, yes, you go, oh, maybe not. I'll go to Siska. But you've got to believe that you can actually make it. And he's on, he's on loan. So, yeah. I mean, we've always got a chance for him to come back to Everton and ruin him. Yeah. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> Sit him on the bench. And do you think Lukaku's sitting there pretty right now going, oh, I'm loving my move to Man United. <laughs> Having a great time. <laughs> he's looking at yes. Everton that are one point under United in the league going, oh, you know. Well, that's a quite Maybe a I'd like s- to play for Marco Silva. That's quite a good segue, Jeff. Should we talk about Man United West Ham first? Go on then, John. What? Go on then, John. No, I... No, go on then, John. No, I don't want to have a rant <laughs> as a Man United fan. Um, I, I okay. I, two games I watched over the weekend was Chelsea Man United, uh, Chelsea Liverpool, and Man United West Ham, mm-hmm. and I watched them in their entirety. And the vast difference between the two was kind of heartbreaking. 
as a Man United fan, watching West Ham Man United was stodgy, slow. There was no flow to the game. It was you could be watching a championship game. There was a few hoofs upfield. Man United's only tactics were get it wide and try and cross it to the big guy in the middle. Um, West Ham set up defensively and played really well, and they were good, and they beat Man United because they were better on the day. But watching the Chelsea-Liverpool game, it was just a beautiful game of football to watch. Like, you were watching two really, really good game teams play excellent football. It was fast. They played lots of movement. They were just great fun to watch. There was enjoyment. The crowd were up for it. It was just brilliant. Watching West Ham Man United was dire. And I watched a bit of the Man United Valencia game this morning in the Champions League where they drew nil-nil. And again, it was dire. There was no passion. There was no enthusiasm. There was no care. Um, and like as a Man United fan, we've had it great, obviously, for 20-odd years. And the club's been built on brilliant football, attacking football, and a belief in that whenever we're down, we can still win. And there was just none of that. It's mm. just gone. Um, Paul Scholes came out this morning and said that Jose Mourinho is an embarrassment to the club. And I completely agree to him. Yeah, and he doesn't say a lot, does he, Scholes? No. When he says it, he's probably happy. I've got, so I've got a lot to say about this game. It's going to be hard to, um, to separate it coherently. And I don't want to go off on one because I always yeah. bloody go off on one. But um, I do think that we need to set When we talk about Manchester United at the moment, we need to separate the football from the mythology. Yep. So the mythology surrounding Manchester United is the not caring, the arguments amongst the team on the training pitch, the players switching off, the sacking of managers, the yep. the uh, Edward Woodward whether yep. he's got the balls to sack Mourinho, all of this stuff. Yeah. It's per- the drama around it. Yeah, yeah, I'll call it the mythology because yeah. because no one knows whether it's real or not. Yeah. It, it's it's perpetuated by. Media sources, by clips, by Mourinho himself, by players themselves. It's it's this freight train of nonsense yep. that just keeps going. And, and it's very hard to separate that from the football, yep. right? So I'd like to try. Yeah, yeah. And I'd like to talk about the game itself. Cool. And if there was one thing that makes it hard to separate that, it's West Ham's third goal. Yeah. So, <laughs> are you laughing? Because, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes. So when you when you see West, I can't remember who put the through ball in. It was Noble. Noble. Yeah. Um. Who's he's not quick, Mark <laughs> no, Noble, no. but he found himself in a in a fair chunk of space. Yeah. And played it through to Arnautovic. Yeah. Played it between two centre backs. Yeah. Who were standing still? Now they were standing still. I, I don't know why. I'm not going to get into whether they've switched off or yeah. they don't care or they don't like their tactics. They were just standing still. Yeah. And not only that, but they didn't even put their arms up. They didn't even put, go, he's offside. Yeah. They just didn't do anything. They didn't do anything, no. Not only that, but when he, when he went through and he was one-on-one, he was going to score. There was there was no one tracking back. You know, I, I used to watch... Uh, I used to watch Phil Neville track <laughs> back. And, and there, there was a... a, a you know... I'm not going to talk about Everton much today, yeah. even though Everton won. But there, there was a point in one of Everton's seasons a few years back where the turning point was a Phil Neville tackle. It wasn't yeah. a goal. It was the, that was the point where Desire was shown for the first time yeah. after, a, after a poor run, just slid in, full crunching challenge, and you look at it and you go, okay, they care. They believe in this. They yeah, care. They, so yeah. when Mark Noble played that ball through to Anatovic, which was a really good through ball, however... 
it was the most static backline I've seen in f- that's such an easy oh, goal and Nautovic had so much space he was and just standing there Smalling and um, Lindelof were the centre backs and they were so wide and there was just this huge hole in the middle and yeah they did just turn around look at each other look at him and then go oh shit well, we can't do anything about that now, can we? And it wasn't just a hole. It was a hole with Anatovic standing in the middle of it. Like, if it was if it was a hole and someone ran to it, yeah. okay. I mean, that's he okay. He was just there. <laughs> it's like he had the freedom of the city. And and I feel like, had they even put their arms up together and claimed yeah. he was offside, had one of them turned around and gone, I don't care whether he's 20 yards ahead of me, I'm going to run, I'm going to chase it, I'm going to try and tackle him. All you wanted to see was... A crunch. Are someone just trying? Give everything because you don't know whether if he shoots, it comes off the post and it comes back. You into just play. don't know, yeah. Don't, like, yeah. but there was a resignation in the defenders, in the goalkeeper, in the crowd, and in every just, fan watching. He's going to score just, now. Oh shit! Yes, and, and and you even see players who you who players like John Stones for for Man City. Yeah. He even turns around and runs. Yeah. Like, and and he's a luxury centre back. Yeah. You, you'd say like yeah. Lindelof is a luxury centre back. Yeah. He tries to play football yeah. in a certain way, but when push comes to shove, he'll he'll run back not knowing whether there's a fifty fifty that will come his way. Yeah. And you've got to say that when it's a one on one like that, there is probably a twenty five percent chance that the ball will ricochet somewhere. And you want to make sure that you're the first person to it because if it ricochets somewhere and Arnautovic is that gets the second ball of his own through, yeah. that's such a disgrace. So when we t- when we take out try and divide the mythology to the football, the football is horrible. Yeah, and on that the um, there was a stat that came out that the Man United players did the least amount of sprints of any team this weekend. So as any players, Lukaku did four sprints in the whole game. Oh fuck off! So four sprints, and I. Looking completely on the football sense, if you this weekend I decided I'm completely unsure about Lukaku. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, if you swapped Arnautovic for Lukaku in that team, so if you just swapped those two players, I think Man United would have won that game. And Arnautovic, like we've talked about Arnautovic a lot on the shed, that he's got all the talent in the world, but he's flaky as and a bit moody. But on the weekend, he ran and ran and ran, and he pushed people into channels, he moved the defence around, he was a nuisance, he scored a goal. Lukaku just stood in the middle and waited for crosses. And now we can go on to whether that's a tactical Jose Mourinho wants him to play like that and just stay there or whatever. But there was a hunger in Arnautovic to make West Ham win that game. He grabbed that game and went, I'm going to make sure West Ham win this game. I have never ever seen Lukaku go. I'm going to make sure Man United win this game. That I, I I'll counter that with. He does that against every team in the bottom half of the Premier League. Yeah, he is a ruffian, and he goes shoulder to shoulder, and he barges defenders off the ball when he thinks he's playing an inferior team, and he thinks I can get a hat trick here. Yeah, when he's got that in his brain, because as a as a selfish footballer, he's excellent. As a team player, he's not. If he wants to be the main man, you know, when he's trying to prove himself for Belgium, he's amazing. Oh yeah, he's brilliant. But as a cog in a machine, he's he's just a crap cog. Yeah. His first touch is poor. He, his vision is is slow. Yeah. But when he's just playing snap decisions to go, I'm going to score as many as I can here. I'm just gonna I'm gonna do what Harry Kane did three years ago and just shoot from everywhere. He's yeah. brilliant at it. But that's not what he's doing for Man United. No. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and just talk about United being shit because. United on paper, and you look at their their lineup that day. It was oh, it was good. It was really good. 
West Ham smashed it. Yeah. Absolutely smashed it. And and the first goal, absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. uh, what's his name? Um uh, Felipe Anderson. Felipe Anderson, who his little flick between his legs. Yeah, just brilliant. Yeah. And uh, like, I think that actually, we saw two of the best goals of the weekend. We'll talk about Daniel Sturridge later. Yeah. Two of the best goals of the weekend were Felipe, 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 Philip, Philip, Phil, Phil, Phil Anderson. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like he's from Eastenders, doesn't he? Yeah. Phil Anderson and Rashford, both in that goal. It's almost oh, like Rashford yeah. was trying to outdo Felipe Anderson. Rashford's goal is possibly the greatest goal I've ever seen. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's just like a jumping back heel from 15 yards out completely forgotten though yeah. that goal it will be the forgotten goal it's not going to win goal of the month it's not going to win goal of the season and no yeah. one will remember it because it was part of such an abject performance by Manchester United but I also think that the, the Anderson goal was just so good yeah. such a technical goal that we should be seeing highlights of that to advertise the Premier League yeah. but we're not so when you and, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this the, when you see a game like that that one team is so abject, one team so poor, the other team has so much desire, and I'm not going to put it down to oh, grit, they had quality as yeah. well, West Ham, yeah. but it's not a game that you're ever going to watch again. So yeah. two of the best goals that I've seen this season were completely wasted in a game like that. Yeah, and they were they were incredible goals, but also they um, came from, like the Philippe Anderson goal came from Zabaleta, who's 36 years old, outrunning Luke Shaw down the wing. Now, Luke Shaw's 22, and he's good, and he's, he's been one of Man United's better players this year. But if you're getting outrun by Zabaleta, that's a problem. Yeah, you got you got <laughs> real problems. <laughs> and um, and you do you get an extra half of place when you have belief in what you're doing and you have confidence. And Zabaleta puts in a cross, and it's a great finish by Philippe Anderson. Rashford's goal is utterly depressing because it's the most amazing thing I've seen, like one of the best goals I've ever mm. seen. And the guy looks like he's just going to cry afterwards. Yeah, he, he, he just walks off, looks like I don't want to be here. I don't know why I scored that goal. I, yeah, so almost like he did it to outdo Anderson, not to win for many United. Yeah, it, and it's just it makes me sad that you watch players like Rashford not enjoy playing for Man United. Yeah, like that bothers me and when United were 2-1 down they did not look like they were 2-1 down like they yeah. didn't look like oh my god we're, we're, we're back in this game we're back in this game let's add pressure yeah. they looked like they were still losing yeah I watching it I wasn't like oh there's belief in this that we're going to get back into this and everyone's throwing the ball forward yeah. and there's like a passion and a care um, and like the midfield was won by West Ham and we had Pogba Fellaini and Matic now they're all 6 foot 4 plus and big units, but also Matic and Pogba are great footballers, and Fellaini's just a weirdo that does everything, does some yeah. stuff, but gets in the way. Um, but they were outdone by Mark Noble, like who's again 34 and been around for years, has never had any pace. <laughs> it's not even like he's lost it, he never had it, yeah. No. And, um, he, like Iniesta but also he looked like he was just like this creative midfielder that could mm. pass it around and do stuff with it and um, West Ham just beat a very poor Man United yeah the um, the last thing I I want to talk about is on this game without talking about the mythology is yeah. as a fan of a team that isn't West Ham when 
Yarmolenko gets the ball anywhere near the penalty area. I mean, West Ham fans must be going, cut on your left, cut on your left, cut on your left. Everyone else is going, don't let him cut on his left, don't let him cut on his left. And he just keeps trying. He's just like head down, looks at both his feet, looks at where the ball is, goes, is there room on my left foot? No, there's a bloke here. Or shimmy? Yeah. Have I got time? Okay, on my left. Have I got time? No. I'll keep going left, keep going left. Okay, I've got a bit of space on my left and kick it any scores. Like, it's, he's the most one-footed player I've seen yeah. in a generation, and yet still he fucking scores goals with his left. It's ridiculous. Like, it's so obvious of what... It's like... Like, Robin is the best, actually. Yeah, absolutely. But everyone knows Robin. Robin's a different level because he's so fast and he's brilliant at it, whereas Yarmolenko's pretty crap. <laughs> Robin makes space for his left. Yarmolenko yeah. waits for space to, to go to his left. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, he doesn't like, skin a player yeah. to go to his left. He just keeps walking left yeah. until suddenly space appears oh, yeah, and, shoots. and then he shoots. Yeah. And it's it's as a as a, as a neutral, it's so obvious. Yeah. Why, as a defender, would you even think that he's trying to fool you? He's not trying to fool you. No. He's got one foot. <laughs> only doing it's one. Outra- Did you see? Sorry, whilst no, you talk no. about Robin, do you see? Um, for Bayern, Robin had an open goal. No. Like, so Robin. Uh, was played, did a classic kind of FIFA cutback, had an open goal, took a touch, went on his left, and then side <laughs> footed it in. Of course. Even with an open goal, he tugs onto his he left. He just doesn't trust his right foot. Absolutely outrageous. But let's move on to the Chelsea-Liverpool game. Um, from the ugly game to the brilliant game, it was awesome to watch. Have you seen it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. And um, it was just really good to watch. Chelsea were excellent. Liverpool were excellent. Chelsea's defence surprised me. They were really good. David Luiz was excellent. Um, and they actually looked pretty solid. I thought Jorginho, who is a bit of a controversial figure in the shed, um, was brilliant. Um, the first goal that Hazard scored, that little interplay where they kind of he flicks it through his legs and does a little one-two. Jorginho plays a through ball and then Hazard runs on and puts it in the goal. It's top draw like so good um I thought Chelsea were unlucky to not win that game like Liverpool had some chances but I thought Chelsea played really really well I agree the the notes I've written about this game are real simple it just says middle of the park because (laughs) the the interplay that made that goal work was second to none you don't you don't get that very often and especially you don't get that so deep Usually, if, if you're going to play like that, it's, it's on the edge of the area or yeah. it's in the box. It's little one-twos in the box. But there was a, a kind of three-player triangle one-touch which created space for Hazard to run through into nowhere. Yeah. And had that not happened, so, so had any of those passes gone awry or them not to, you know, to try fewer passes or to be more direct, yeah. Hazard wouldn't have had the space. So by being so intricate, so deep, it really drew players in to challenge them and, and as three players were trying to be challenged Hazard was open and if you have someone like Hazard he's not going to miss when he's open yeah. like that and like that's the other th- like you look at Hazard at the moment every time he's through on goal he's going to score like there's just pure confidence and he just knew that he was going to score um, I thought the thing that meant that Liverpool didn't lose the game was that they had Alisson in goal like I know Sturridge comes on and scores a wonder goal which is one of the best goals I've seen and wonderfully nonchalant just this like, oh yeah, I'll just stand here, have a look, shoot, goal. Yeah, it's brilliant. And just walk off. Um, so I enjoyed that. But Alisson saved two one-on-ones. One from Hazard and one from Willian, I think. And last year, if that was Mingle in goal, uh, Liverpool would have lost 3-1. You're, you're absolutely so right. That's, you're worth your £75 million, pounds, whatever it costs to buy him. Because 
if you go out of that game with one point as Liverpool and you go, oh, we're still in the top two, we're still undefeated and we're looking good, a whole different perspective. If they lose 3-1, then suddenly it's, oh, dramas at Liverpool, mm. it's gone wrong. But you, I w- So I've watched the Sturridge goal a lot. It's <laughs> so good. Do you know, is it good? Yeah. Okay, right, it's then hear, hear me out. Yeah. Well, of course it's good, of yeah. course it's good. But um, it's a free kick. What? It's in open play. Okay, exactly right. So, so one way to look at it is it's a it's an amazing goal from open play from distance out of nowhere. Great. However, what you see is you, the, the Chelsea players have dropped, have dropped deep into their into their six yard, uh, eighteen yard box. Yeah. Uh, Sturridge passes the ball off to the right. It goes no, pardon me. Uh, Cato goes off to the right. It goes back into Sturridge, yeah. and he stands still. Yeah. He's not running with the ball. Uh, his control stops the ball dead in front of him, so he had a run up to take a kick on a standing ball. Essentially, that is a free kick. However, it's a free kick without a wall. Yeah. Because of where Chelsea defenders are, then they're not set up to against the shot. Of course, why would yeah. you be? Because, he, but if you were to give him a standing ball shot from there, you'd set up a wall because you think that he's odds on to score that because he's he's good enough to do it. So. Part of me goes, yeah, nonchalant, great, top corner. And don't get me wrong, it was perfect. It was absolutely outrageous and it deserved to go global. But then the more you look at it, the more you... Actually, he's taken a free kick without a defence. It's just a free pot shot because they gave him that much space. They did, but he's 30 yards out. So as a defending team, like maybe because Kante was the person closing him down. And I mean, Kante closing people down is the one of the best... Sentences in world football. That's what he does. <laughs> that's, that's a given. Um, but Kante is a yard off. Um, but from 30 yards out, as a defensive team, you would go, that's not too big of a deal. He's too far out to do anything from here. And the fact that he goes, the way he goes over the goalie to the wrong corner, like he couldn't put it anywhere else. If he was going for that corner, it, like he had to get an inch perfect for actually to go in. Um, it's amazing. It it is amazing. Like the it's and it, not only that, it's great to see it happen from Daniel Sturridge. Oh, if yeah. it was any other player, I wouldn't be quite so pleased. But to, I think he deserves it. He is one of the most gifted English centre forwards of the, of the last generation. He's yeah. just a sick note. Yeah. Like I don't want to play shoulda woulda coulda, but you know, had he been he's, fit his whole career, he would be a world beater. He's better than Kane on natural ability. I agree. Yeah. yeah, he's as a footballer naturally he's better. Um, did you hear about him? You know, he went on West to West Brom. I can't remember if I've said this on the show before. He went to West Brom um, last season on loan, and he came back to Liverpool. And he basically went, "I've got two years left on my contract at Liverpool." And he said to the people at Liverpool, "I didn't realize how good I've got it here and how exciting it is. I, I saw you guys go to the Champions League final, and I can be part of that." And I'm not going to sulk. I'm just going to work really hard. And I might get injured, but I'm going to make sure I'm going to do everything I can to actually have a career here and be part of this rather than going, oh, I'll be a bit part striker at West Brom. It's exactly right. There isn't a team in the Premier League that would turn down Daniel Sturridge. No. And I make that as a sweeping comment. I don't even think Man City would turn down Daniel Sturridge. If he, especially with yeah. that attitude. With yeah. that, I'm happy to sit on the bench. Yeah. Bring me on one every three games. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. Fuck, he, he can do stuff. Yeah. That you don't expect, just like this one all. Yeah, and it goes back to like going back to the Champions League final last year when they bought on Danny Ings for Salah, 
and you go, this season, if you've got a fit Sturridge and a Shakiri on the bench when Salah goes off, you've got options. There's a squad there. Salah didn't play that great at the weekend. There's bits of it that he's doing okay. I think the world has forgotten that Salah's not as good as we all think he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he's good. But the first uh, eight, ten weeks of last season, he was known for missing sitters. Mm. Like, that's what he does. He gets himself in great positions. Just then, after a while, he got a rhythm where they all went in. And it might not happen again this year. And it probably won't. But that's fine. Because they share his 40 goals. If Sturridge gets 15, Shakiri gets 10, and... Um, Salah gets 15 then you've got your 40 goals it doesn't yeah. really matter and not only that but you've got ways to beat different teams that's what Liverpool couldn't do last year they, they, they had a one way of playing yep. and there was one way of defending against them yep. and if you managed to nail it which was rare but if you managed to nail it they had no plan B and this year they've got a plan B and C um, whilst we're talking Liverpool um, I feel like we should talk about Liverpool Man City coming up next weekend yeah now Okay, so I bang on about how I hate the way Man City play football every week, right? Yeah, well, you, you don't say you hate the way they play, no. but, it, but it's a bit boring to watch. And they won 2-0 at Brighton, and I watched the highlights of it, and it was boring. Okay, are you, get, are you getting on the I'm, train? I'm right? getting too much on the train that I don't like it. I hate agreeing with you. Um, but Sterling scored a tap-in, Aguero scored, they and, won 2-0, they and, looked great. And talk me through Aguero's goal. Well, it was just brilliant. Well, it was it was brilliant, but it was one two. It was it was, it was it was one two back in the middle, yeah. uh, wide open space, bottom corner. Yeah. Is there a more stale form of perfect football? No, but then I guess what like with the Liverpool game coming up. Obviously, Liverpool did a number on them in the Champions League last year. So Man City have got a if if Man City lose to Liverpool this weekend as doing the same thing they did in the Champions League, you may be a genius because they're just doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over. If they've learnt from it, then they're actually a team that evolves and changes. All right, so I used, okay, I used to live with a bloke who, um, I won't name names because he might listen to the pod, but he'll know who he is. <laughs> and this is back in this is maybe 15 years ago when you used to live in a share house, smoke pot and, you know, <laughs> I have a youth. Back when I had a youth. Yeah. Um, and we used to play FIFA quite a lot, right? Yeah. Now, he was convinced that how he played FIFA was the beautiful way. The beautiful way. Yeah. He, was like, he was convinced that in his head, he had inspiration, you know? <laughs> and the passes he tried were... Because he understood football. Yeah. And, and, and it was FIFA was the problem, yeah. not his vision. You yeah. know, uh, the players weren't keeping up with <laughs> But me, I would just get it wide, cut it to the bloke in the middle and score a tap in <laughs> and I'd beat him every time. Every now and then I'd score a one-to-go from distance and I'd win 3-0. Yeah. And he got so outraged. You know, he's the kind of bloke who broke controllers <laughs> because of that. Because he was convinced he was playing the beautiful way and what I was doing was, was horrible. He, he'd yeah. even go as far as saying it was cheating. Yeah. Now, I'd win 3-0. Yeah. Man City are winning 3-0 cheating, stale crap. It's, when, well, it's not crap though, is it? It's beautiful. It's amazing. Like what they're doing is utterly incredible. What the thing that I understand from your argument is that watching something amazing constantly becomes boring. A hundred percent. Because you know what's gonna happen. You know they're gonna win two or three nil every week. And it's just not inspiring to watch. 
It's 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 dead to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, and don't get me wrong, like we flip flop all year on this shit, yeah. and I'm sure there'll be weeks where I, I bang on it. But the thing is, they're going to have to win nine nil for me to bang on about how good they were. But then, okay, so this weekend they play Liverpool. What do you need from Man City for you to go? Oh yeah, they're really good at this. Like, do they need to win three nil at Liverpool, or do you want? It, would you prefer it if they won four three? Like, no. What what will happen this week? And this is included in my in my bet of the week. And what will happen this week is Manchester City will win either two or three nil against Liverpool. Wow, that's a big call. But is it though? What what we've seen? So I'm not. That's not my argument. Is it though, John? <laughs> Go on. Is it though? <laughs> so what we what we're seeing is is a team that every neutral is willing to get behind. Is it's the Liverpool side? It's because it's fallible because yeah. it has peaks and troughs, and and some mistakes are made every now and then. But then there's last ditch tackles. We and, get behind and that. Klopp's lovable, whereas Guardiola is a bit like a weird schoolmaster. Yeah, he's, he's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, now, I think that we can get caught up by this kind of David and Goliath. I'm not saying that, yeah. that Liverpool the, it's yeah. not a David Goliath, but yeah. actually when we see one against the other, we're going to see Man City win 2-0 or win 3-0. And we can get caught up on the mythology of this Liverpool yeah. side and are they going to do it and are they going to do it? But actually the, the stale machine, the stale victory machine that is Man City will do that against whomever they come up against in the Premier League. And we are this is the point, right? So Liverpool lost two points this weekend. They're they're not joint top of the table, they're second because Man City have scored more goals because that's what they do. Yeah. Man City are gonna win against Liverpool, they're gonna be three points up. And the, by Christmas the Premier League is over. And I really hope you're wrong. I really hope I'm wrong too. <laughs> and and if if on Monday morning we we get back and we start WhatsApping each other about the, the, the yeah. weekend and Liverpool have got a victory, I will be over the moon. Like I don't want this to be my life. Yeah. But I'm convinced that this weekend that's exactly what's going to happen because we're 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 caught up on the mythology, but the evidence suggests that though Liverpool are excellent, Man City are better. Just a stale, productive machine that wins games of football. On a on an ethic on a on a team mentality, and it's not even in their heads. It's not even a mentality. I shouldn't even use yeah. it on a blueprint. Their yeah. blueprint is successful, and they will blueprint every team that they come up against. And they blueprinted Wolves, and Wolves took a point off them. But they hit the post. They hit the bar. The mythology was yeah. Wolves were great. How great was it that Wolves went toe to toe with Manchester City? But Wolves had twenty percent possession or nineteen percent possession or whatever it was. Man City hit the post, hit the bar, yeah. missed chances. Actually, the blueprint was working just fine. It was just an off day on the football pitch, but it wasn't even an off day. Just the margins. But I think Klopp has a number on Guardiola. Like Klopp beat Guardiola when they were at Dortmund and Bayern, um, and he's the only manager in world football has a better win record over Guardiola. Like everyone else has a has lost more games to Guardiola. They're playing at Anfield, um, so you have that whole atmosphere behind them. Um, and I think there is a enthusiasm and a belief in Liverpool fans that this is the game they've got. To, if they're going to do something this year, they've got to prove something in this game. Now, my only hesitancy is that they play... So, Man City played last night away at Hoffenheim. So, away in Germany. But Man, uh, Liverpool played a day later. So, they play tonight away at Napoli. Now, Napoli are a really good side. Um, and it's a big game for them in the Champions League. So they get a day less rest and playing Napoli is harder than playing Hoffenheim. 
So that kind of sways it a little bit to Man City, I think. I just think it's got one all written all over it. I just think it's going to cancel each other out because it's a big... if Right now, like you said, they're both on 19 points, both at the top of the league. It's just goal difference. Liverpool's defence have sorted themselves out. I think what they need to do is just not lose, and I don't think they will lose. I, I hope we're both wrong, because I hope it's an advert for football. I hope it's like the Liverpool-Chelsea game, even though that was a one-all draw. Yeah. But I, I just think that... And this, this playing away at Anfield, if you're... If you're Everton playing away at Anfield, it's, it's a problem. If you're Southampton playing away at Anfield, it's a problem. Manchester City play away at some of the most volatile stadiums in the world every Wednesday and every every Thursday night, every, every Tuesday and every yeah. Thursday night. They don't care about playing away. In fact, that's more convenient because they have to get on a Raheem plane. Raheem Sterling does care. He's always crap. He's going to score, I reckon. He's, he's always been crap at They're Liverpool. taking the human out of Raheem Sterling, replacing him with the robot. And the <laughs> robot Raheem Sterling will arrive at Liverpool and his blueprint will take over. Because his blueprint is to make a late run into the box because there will be an overlapping player that will take yeah. out the left back or the right back. They'll play it back in the centre and he will just score a tap in and he'll celebrate because he's a fucking robot. And the, the team <laughs> Are made of robots and they don't care about playing away at Anfield in fact Anfield's a smaller stadium than they got at home and they, they play in Russia they play yeah. in the Ukraine yeah. they play with more host- legally more hostile environments <laughs> than Anfield Anfield's pretty tame you can't yeah. have a beer when you're in yeah. the stands you go to Ukraine you get a fucking beer thrown at you yeah. so I don't think that that's even a factor yeah okay I think that Man City are just going to steamroll them wow well we will see what happens um, let's go on to a few other games from last week um Newcastle-Leicester. Yeah. Now, Leicester beat Newcastle 2-0 away from home, so at Newcastle's ground. Um, first up, Vardy scored a penalty. Did you see the penalty? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The handball. That's not a handball. He had no chance to take his hand away from that. And Nothing. Like We've mentioned this before on the show, but someone has to come out and tell us what the rules are. Because it's literally a millimetre away from him gets smacked into his hand or handball. Like, he can't do anything. And his hand was in front of his face. Yeah. It's not so, like his hand's in an odd yeah, position. Yeah, he's not... Yeah, the ball's not going to change flight because it hit his hand. It would, if his hand wasn't there, it would have hit his face. Yeah. And he had less than a metre yeah. between his face, hand and the ball. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. So I thought that was ridiculous. Um, but Newcastle were in a mess. Yeah, what is going on? Um, we have spoken about Newcastle over the summer when we talked about the transfer window. We spoke about them last season and they finished 10th last season. Yeah. That's outrageous, really. Yeah. Uh, they... So I, I was having a good think about Newcastle this week because I feel like they are crashing and burning slowly. Rafa Benitez. Benitez? Benitez. Why would I suddenly pronounce names correctly? Um, Why did I say Benitez? Because you miss Roger and he always says like Barcelona. Barcelona. Benitez. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Benitez. Can I call him Benitez from <laughs> yeah, now on? <laughs> <sure. laughs> um, he's got a golden ticket because actually he's a dickhead. And he knows that he can always blame what's happened. It was the worst summer, in my opinion, I've seen from Newcastle United Football Club. And it worse than when they get out of the championship and they sign championship players, yeah. which happened twice recently. Yeah. Um, so I look back at their results this season to, to work out what's wrong. Now, they've only scored two goals. Yeah, that's bad. That It is bad. So, so okay, so what have the results been? They lost 2-1 against Manchester City. They lost 2-1 against Chelsea. Like the, these aren't terrible yeah. results. Um, whilst you're looking up their results, what I'd also point out, they've played big teams, and Rafa is a pragmatist. 
So he will look at the season, at the start of the season, and go, okay, who are we playing? What points should we get from this six block? He, he divides the season into blocks of six games. From these six games, we should get this many points. From these six games, we should get this many points. From these six, we should get this many points, and so on. And he'll do that for the whole season. So he won't be panicking that he's on two points after seven games, I don't think. Because he will have a window of like, we should hopefully be here, but if we're here, that's fine. They'll have a block of six games, and I think they've got a few easier games coming up where they'll go, we should get two or three wins in here, and that should push us up. And that's exactly what they did last year. And at the end of the year, they finished 10th. And... So the other one that I want to point out is they lost 2-1 against Spot Tottenham. Yeah. So, okay, so Man City, Tottenham and Chelsea, they lost 2-1 against. Yeah. They're tight margins. That means they scored three goals. You said two. Oh, pardon me. They scored three goals. <laughs> that was in the first game. Uh, so they are really tight margins. The yeah. What's done them in is drawing 0-0 at Cardiff. Yeah. Last week, when they lost 2-0 against Leicester, they did look crap. Yeah. And that's the that's the thing that like they've looked pragmatic. You're right. They've looked like they've had a game plan, and it's and it's tight margins. Mm. It might not have come off again. You know, some of those other games, but last week they looked poor. There's, but there's a wider thing going on. I think because Mike Ashley has come gone to the last two games, and it's the first games he's gone to in over a year. So since they were in the championship, he's not gone to a game at all. And he suddenly turned up to two games. Now apparently this week. Mike Ashley's having a meeting with Rafa Benitez, um, a clear-the-air meeting, and he wants to meet all the players as well. Um, also, the players are having a players' meeting to kind of discuss what they're doing. And then also on the side, Peter Kenyon, who's the ex-chief executive of Chelsea and Man United, he's trying to find £400 million to buy the club. Now, this guy has no money. Well, doesn't have no money because he's worked but he doesn't have four he's not going to be the person with the money but he's trying to find a bunch of investors to go i'll run the club give me the money we can make this club awesome and if you can get peter kenyon in as chief executive he's got a record of winning premier leagues he's good he knows what he's doing rafa from the side is probably looking at it going if we can get this guy in and some money great mike ashley being in town for me suggests that something's happening. There's murmurings in the background and the Peter Kenyon thing wouldn't have come out at the same time. So I think that it's beginning to... Balls are beginning to move and possibly it's Mike Ashley is going to end or... Well, I don't know. I mean, as a, as someone who doesn't have £400 million in the bank, I'd like to talk about what it would be like if I did. Yes. And I'd spend it on Newcastle United. 100%. Probably wouldn't. I'd probably buy a house first. <laughs> but then I'd spend it on Newcastle United because they are... 60,000 capacity stadium yeah. that sells out every week just for yeah. season ticket holders. That yeah. place is football mad. Yeah. They are a one club city. Mm-hmm. They are, when you go to Newcastle as a place in England, it feels different. It's not like you're going to a, to a Charlton Athletic or, a, or um, you know, a club that's part of a, of a greater yeah. picture. Newcastle is a bit, as a, kind of an ostracised apart yeah. from Sunderland being next door. Yeah. It's northeast of England and it's, on its own. And the stadium's in the city, and it's part of the city. Everyone you meet in Newcastle is a Newcastle United supporter. Yeah. Every single home game, you know, shops shut. It's, it's that kind of environment. Now, when that club is in the Premier League, that club has unwavering support. They've, they're living through the worst period of their club, even though they've been in the lower leagues. Yeah. I think that those were still successful times and with aspirations. Now, it's so depressing. Yeah. If you were going to buy a Premier League football club, you would buy Newcastle United. Yeah. 
they, they, they've got everything and not only that but their stadium can be expanded they've only got two of the stands that are as yeah. high as the rest can be they can, they can be 100,000 they can yeah. be the biggest stadium in the country on just the footprint that they've already yeah. got I think that would be an amazing investment but it's been run to the ground well and I think investors panic at the fact of where it is location plays a big thing for investors because no investor wants to go to Newcastle like everyone wants to be in London and they want to be near London or Manchester as a somewhere that's a big hub and people want to come there players want to come there Newcastle's just this weird little place there's a show called Geordie Shore that people have seen on TV and they're like <laughs> is everyone like this I don't want to go there and so the but you're right. If you put a little bit of money into Newcastle, there is no. They are a bigger team than the majority of other teams in the Premier League by fan base and infrastructure. They have everything. And they have everything that when people invest in football clubs, try and build. Yep. They've already got it. They just don't have the, the proactive investment. Um, um, getting off Newcastle, can I just talk yeah, a little bit about the worst game I've ever seen in my life? Oh, this sounds exciting. Cardiff City versus Burnley. 2-1 yes. Burnley. Yep. Do you know that the ball was in play for... Uh, sec- it's not the record. It's the second lowest amount of time in Premier League history. Wow. Now, I'm going to give you a question, John. How long do you think the ball was in play for? Second... 58 minutes. 42 minutes and 2 seconds. 42 minutes? It's not even a half a football. That is not even a half a football. Wow. That is so horrible. That's awful. So horrible. So the time was eaten up by rolling around on the floor, by taking throw-ins and then changing who the throw-in taker was and then giving it to the left-back and he was going to take the throw and then they go, no, I'll drop it because the centre-back is oh. going to come and take a long throw. Oh, is it long throw time? No, we'll give it to the left-winger. He'll come and take a throw in. Oh, the goalkeeper's got it. Right. Put it on your chest, lie on the floor for as long as you can. <sighs> 42 minutes of football in a 90-minute game. Do you know what also happened in that game? Is Burnley 1-2-1. Cardiff had 20 shots. Burnley had three. Wow, <laughs> like it's old school Burnley. Yeah, did they were they all outside the box? Yeah, yeah, they're just like just defend, 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 and then get a couple of scrappy header goals and stuff. And yeah, then... so the 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 body is the power that be have looked at this result and it's been flagged already as what can we do to implement changes in the rules to stop this happening? Yeah, okay. Because as a spectacle, this is this is a disgrace, yeah. and uh, I think. If I'm not mistaken, it wasn't even on the primetime channel back in the UK. It was it was already because well, it was the one Sunday game, wasn't it? And yeah, everyone was just like, "Well, and the, I'll the, watch the Ryder Cup." Yeah, the Ryder Cup was put on yeah. the primary channel, whatever yeah. they are in yeah. England. I don't watch TV in England. I don't watch <laughs> Sky, yeah. whatever. Um, so it wasn't on something. Yeah. Uh, so they're already looking at ways that they can reduce this, and one of the ways is to have an actual in-play clock. Yes, they've talked about having a 60-minute game. Yeah, a 60-minute game of in-play time as opposed to 90 minutes of total time. Yeah, a bit like... Because in rugby, when the ball goes out of play, it stops. Yeah. And then so you actually have 60 minutes of actual play. And it sounds ridiculous until you think of a 42-minute game of football. Yeah, because when I first read about that, I was just like, that's crazy. And then, yeah, the average actual in-play game is about 60 to 65 minutes. And you're just like, that's ridiculous. The amount of time the ball's not actually there. And how frustrating is it? You know how frustrating So when when you go watch football live yeah. and your team goes 1-0 down on 80 minutes, 
and then the next you are going to have one chance yeah. to score a goal yeah. that is it and if it's a league game you're going to have one chance to draw even though there's 10 minutes left and you see it and it's so frustrating and and there are so few opportunities come in that last 10 yeah. minutes because it's within the rules to just kill it yeah no it's gross um we should move on from premier league but i just want to mention two teams which is arsenal and spurs yeah okay um just very briefly purely because they are fourth and fifth in the league the North London rivals. Um, apparently, they're not playing very well. And apparently, they're not... like The general noise around them is that Spurs and Arsenal, oh, they're kind of working it out, but they're not sure what's going on, not really working it out yet, and Carrie Kane's not scoring, and Peter Cech's falling over, who's now injured, so the other guy can come in for a month. About time, yeah. I reckon. Um, but they're four points off the top, and in fourth and fifth, that's great I think for them like I think they're quietly going about their business there's a lot of noise about Man City Liverpool Chelsea and Man United and everyone's forgotten about Spurs and Arsenal and I think they're just quietly getting along with their business I've forgotten about Spurs because I hate Spurs (laughs) but I've not forgotten about Arsenal so so Arsenal scored two goals in a couple of minutes again at the same period as they did against the Everton game and that I want to look into it for, or whoever is listening to this who who knows the answer. I want to know whether there was a strategic or tactical change that happened at that point of the game that Emery makes that has affected that. Because to be against Everton, they were on the back foot for the majority, and then just in an instant they were 2 0 up on 60 minutes. Same thing happened last weekend. In an instant they were 2 0 up on 60 minutes. It was 80 minutes this weekend, so it was later. But yeah, the first goal was sixty minutes. No, it's like eighty-one and eighty-three. It says here. Well, I want to know whether that something changed prior to that onslaught, or whether they were just kept on trying the Arsenal way. Well, what they no, so well that's the thing. The Arsenal way doesn't exist anymore, and because Emery's come in, he's actually training the players. <laughs> Whereas rather than Wenger just going, "Well, oh, just go and have fun and have a glass of wine afterwards." Um, I just think they're a lot fitter and there is a lot more organisation defensively there's a lot more plan of what they're doing as a unit to defend and hold it tight they're not conceding goals and then when they're getting their chances they're taking them and that's the sign of a good team and they've won five in a row like they've lost two games to Man City and Chelsea at the start of the season and then just won five games in a row and they've won games that they've played poorly in Yep. They were second best against Everton and they were second best against someone else. Uh West Ham. Yeah. And yet they won both of those games. And they've won seven in a row now, including all competitions. Like when was the last time you could say Arsenal have won seven games in a row? That's a proper winning streak. Yeah, right? it is. And that builds confidence and Lacazette scoring and playing well. That it creates this kind of momentum. So they're looking good. I'd like to think that regular listeners of the shed would be uh, waiting for me to talk about Everton. Yep, but we're going to move on to the A League. So, <laughs> fuck them. Um, go on then. The, okay, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll just make a few a few sweeping points. Um, amazing how when Sigerson plays number ten, he's good at football. Yeah, amazing. Who knew that yeah. left wing or right wing wasn't necessarily the best yes. spot for a number ten? Yeah. Um, really good. Great to see Bernard get an assist in the second half. That's great. Yeah. Great, great to he see. He started in the Carabao Cup last night, didn't he? He did, yeah. He lost on penalties to Southampton, which is quite embarrassing. No, I'm not talking about the Carabao <laughs> Cup, John. I'm talking okay. about the Premier League, the most important competition in the world. Um, 
John Joe Kenny had a really good game at right back. Yeah. Not sure if you, you saw, but he, he created the second goal when he played it up to Theo Walcott, who was actually really good. Yeah. Um, but again, it was a game of two halves. First half, Everton was shit. Second half, Everton were excellent. Um, Sigurdsson missed a penalty. Why is it that players who can score goals like Sigurdsson's first and Sigurdsson's third miss penalties? Uh, they overthink it, I think. You think? Yeah, I think... Again, I'll go back to footballers having egos. Footballers have massive egos and generally penalty takers are the people with the biggest egos and the biggest players in the team and they just think I'm going to do something awesome here because he tried to dink it down the middle and he hit it the did, bar it did yeah hit the bar and um, if like one thing I really like about Harry Kane is I don't think he's smart enough to have an ego <laughs> so so <laughs> so he just whenever he takes a penalty he's just like oh I'm just going to hit it really hard in the corner yeah you're right and he doesn't do anything other than I'll hit it as hard as I can in the corner yeah whereas players who are a bit smarter go oh I've got I've got the ability to do something special here or something more whereas you should just hit it really hard in the corner do you think he's Everton's most important player Sigurdsson uh, not yet but I think I think he's good enough to build a team round and I think if you get it right he could be really great. Like what Swansea when they when he was his last year at Swansea, he was one of the best players in the league. He was the person that everyone talked about outside the top six. Like everyone talks about Will Saha being the best player mm. outside the top six. It was Sigurdsson. Um and he 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 lacks pace, which is why no one thinks he can play for a top four team. Um but he's got all the ability in the world and he scores goals. Um he makes goals He's very good. Um, it's it's hard because he's 29 years old. So to think that they're going to start building their side around a 29-year-old. Oh, yeah. When I say build a side around him, what I mean is that he's, he's getting a bit of form now. So what you do is you go, Sigurdsson's number 10. He's on the team sheet first. Okay, cool. What we do around Who that, else have we got? Yes. <laughs> who, who, what would complement Sigurdsson being number 10? Is it better to have Tosin up front or is it better to have Richardson up front? Or what would, so that's what I mean is this season you can start going, this guy's in form, we can trust him, he'll assist, he'll score goals. Where do we put players around him that will make the best of him? Now, look, this season is already frustrating because of all of the injuries and I don't think this is the year, but I think with the age of some of the players... I think if Sigerson plays number 10, they do what you do, what you said, and build yeah. a team around them. Richarlison plays up front. Uh, Bernard on the left. Walcott on the right. That's a really good front line. That's really good. And that's as good as I've seen at Evan for a very long time. Yeah. Let's move on to the A-League then, Jeffar. So, we've, I feel like we need to mention the fact that the A-League had their extraordinary general meeting this week. Indeed, yeah. And it was passed that the... What was passed? Okay. I get okay. very confused. <laughs> so what? So for those who listen regularly, we, we've spoken about the progression with the governance of football in Australia quite a lot. Mm. So the the FFA, so the the national body, was the main controller of all football. So from the national side, the women's side, and the A League. Yeah. Now because of that, commercial decisions were made very. Um, it was it was a one man show. It was it was a mafia yeah. show where this 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 senior bloke passed the power onto yeah. his son and controlled all football in Australia. Yeah. And there's been a power struggle for a couple of years now to to get more say amongst the the actual stakeholders. So the A League teams, the federations across Australia, um, and it was a really unbalanced system where 
I think the A-League clubs only had a single vote in yeah. this in this eight-vote system. And FIFA came in and said, this is wrong. They, they, not only was it the smallest, second smallest, like behind Venezuela or something, yeah. second smallest governing body in world football, it was also the most unbalanced in world yeah. football. So FIFA came in, did an independent review and said, your system's a joke. This is a joke. We will sanction you. We will ban you from world football, yeah. your national sides, we will ban your, your league from playing in the Asian Champions League unless you do, you abide to these recommendations. Um, and there was more kicking and screaming from Australian football. Uh, and then they went to an extraordinary general meeting. Ex- yes. Extraordinary. extraordinary. I actually called a meeting at work an extraordinary meeting the other day. Was it and because it was that great? No, or? no, but that's the problem with calling anything an extraordinary one. Because mm. what I meant was like the FIFA thing. Yeah. Like going, oh, it's, a, it's a meeting that's on a Friday and we didn't normally have them on a Tuesday. Yeah. But it sounded great. Because <laughs> it's an extraordinary meeting, so I felt like when I when I got to the meeting, I had to really do something Before really good because I've because everyone who misread it was like, oh, this is going to be extraordinary. Yeah. It wasn't extraordinary. It was pretty normal. It's just sat on the sofa and had a chat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the the extraordinary general meeting was today or yesterday? Yesterday. Yeah. yeah. This week. Um, and oh my god, it only just passed. Yeah. So it was only eight to two, wasn't it? And if it was seven three, it wouldn't have passed. That's exactly right. So they need the way the governing body was set up was that you need a seventy percent. This is why it's so crazy. You have seventy percent approval, uh, you know, pro yeah. versus con to make any governance changing in this body, and the majority of of those votes were based around the the people who were in charge. Yeah. So the ten A League clubs had one vote. Yeah. How are they going to get their say across to anything? Women's football had nothing. Yeah, absolute joke. So again, as you say, it was eight. To, sorry, it was eight to two. Eight, eight to two. And so it had eighty percent yeah. to change, which means yeah. that they, they took on the lots of the legislation that FIFA had recommended. Yeah. Which means that the risk of Australia being banned from international football is no more. However, no one really knows what it means. Yeah. Now we're at a point in Australian football where there has been a. It's gone on for about a year. A review to expand the A-League, to yeah. move it from 10 teams to 12 teams. And for those in the UK or anyone else in the world, the there is no relegation promotion in Australia. It's a franchise system, just like the United States. So you buy a license, you pay for a license, and then you're part of this league. But it hasn't expanded for a while because a few teams really ruined it. North Queensland Fury had yeah, a they disaster. Really yeah. Um, and and just, a, just a few teams that don't exist anymore. Um, however... There's been this expansion, which has been on the cards for not this season, but for next season, where two more teams can come in. One of the things that we're worried about now is whether that will change, whether the deadline will change. However, the A-League now has nine seats at the table. So the table has been grown from what? It's from 10. 10 to 50? Yeah, it's 50-something. I want to say 58. I can't remember what the exact number is, but I want to say... We'll we'll double-check and confirm next week, but I think it's about 58, and there's people from women's football's involved and all the states All the federations involved, all the states are involved, which means that that you can actually proactively change. The the inevitable result of this is there will be a separation from the A-League, so the, the National League here, and the international governing body of football. Yeah. So this is the equivalent of back in 1992. When the Premier League separated. When the Premier League yeah. separated from the FA. Yeah. Which was, you know, if you take out the English team's success ever since, that was probably the best thing that happened to English football. Yeah. Because what happened was the Premier League 
found its legs. Yeah, it was able to become a thing. It, it got out of the doldrums. It got out of the 80s of, of the violence and all of that. And it actually became a brand. became something that you wanted to get behind. Yeah. And the hope is that now that will happen to the A-League. Uh, the hope is the restrictions on spending, the restrictions on transferring players amongst the A-League teams themselves. All of these things that have been... The A-League is big enough now to to hold itself up and those restrictions will be eased off the yeah. back of this result. So it's a good thing. However, no one really knows any more detail than that. Good one. We will update more as it goes. Um, let's go on to some side stories before we hit the end feature. Um, my major one is Victor Nietzscheby. Oh my God. So Victor Nietzscheby is uh, an ex-Shed Wall member. So um, we have... Um, Maxim Chupo moting on the wall this season. Um, no one so, else, so far. So far, no one's joined. But last season we had Victor Nietzscheby, who currently plays football in the Chinese Super League. No, no, no. League Two in China. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the second division <laughs> in China. Good one. Probably still getting paid a huge amount. But he has actually reported his own club to FIFA over match-fixing allegations. So basically, he was told by his coaches not to try in certain games um, so that they would lose. Um, and then he was told by his teammates, this is China, we do as we're told. So if you've got told not to try, that's what you do. And he's been suspended for a year now, mm. um, as far as I know. Um, and yeah, it's all just happening. I've got to say, it's so ironic that of all the players you don't have to tell not to try, it's, it's Victor Nietzsche. <laughs> don't score goals. Don't well, score goals. Go well, on, stand there. Just just, just look like you're just a bit naturally lazy. Everyone will buy into it. Look at my stats. Like that, I'm not going to score goals. Like they bought him for a reason, didn't they? It makes you wonder. If they're the kind of type of team to, to throw games away for fun... You buy a Nietzsche beat and you yeah. play him up front and you're like, look, we're trying. He's next Premier League player. You might as well fucking put Jack Rodwell in midfield. <laughs> <Damn> <laughs> and go, go, go on, we're investing. We're yeah. investing. We're trying to win the league here, people. Where's Wiltshire? <laughs> go on, there's real, put Wiltshire in. Oh, Andy Carroll? If you want to see what a player up front, go on, have some wages. Give it a go. Um, so yeah, Victor Nietzsche. I mean, like, good on him for standing up against Max Fiction, but he's probably not getting paid his loads of money that he yeah. was a few weeks ago. Um, did we see that the that Wembley Stadium sale got approved? So remember we yeah. So, so is it finally approved? So well, it goes to their Congress or or whatever they call Shadik Khan, who's the owner of Fulham, correct? Yes, and an American team, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, um, wants to buy the stadium. Yeah. So it, initially it um it hit a rocky road, and then last week the sale was ratified or whatever yeah, the okay. term is. Um, but now it has to go to the FA board yeah. to approve the deal between what would be the new stadium owner and how England games are played. Yeah. So as long as they approve that, who's going to buy the stadium? And I think it's quite interesting because we, we had a good conversation about the Fulham owner and, and the difference yeah. between relegation and promotion in yeah. a few weeks back. So it's, it does make me think that, you know, Fulham, they look crap. Yeah. which is a show I know they're only just getting to Premier League I, I, yeah. I take that back that's yeah. a flippant comment but they, they, they haven't necessarily started well yeah no it's not quite worked yet but what would happen if if? but I don't think I think what would happen is the FA would sell it on the demands that it can't be a, it can't be a club stadium it has to still remain the national stadium 
so here's the thing it will always remain the national stadium yeah what he has said is that the games the England games all the revenue from England games still go to the FA yeah okay there are X amount of England games per year yeah now this is attractive to the FA because they also like playing games in other stadiums so they yes. attra- when they play at Old Trafford or they play at Villa Park yeah they you know, they love going on tour with the England yeah, team around right. England yeah. as opposed yeah. to just keeping it in London so this is something that's really good for them yeah. so the ones that they play they can they can keep their revenue it means that there will be a London home for an NFL side because yeah, they're looking okay. at NFL expansion into a London team so I'm not sure whether the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars would move to London yeah. or an expansion franchise would open up in the London market and yeah. play in the Eastern Seaboard yeah. League or whatever, however it works yeah. But you've got to say, right, if your football club owner bought the, one of the best stadiums in your home city as a football club, you would think that the inevitable change, especially when you play in Craven Cottage. And it's called Cottage. Like, they basically do have a cottage. It is a, it is a cottage. It's yeah. a cottage with three stands around yeah. it. Yeah. You would assume. How, what's the capacity of Craven Cottage? Oh, 20,000, 22,000. You would assume that if your owner has got a brand spanking new 60,000 capacity, sta- 80,000 capacity yeah. stadium sitting up the road, that the inevit- if you were to stay in the Premier League for the next five years and grow as a club, that's... But would you want to? Like, it's Fulham. Like, Fulham... The, the, I've been to Craven Cottage and watched games, and there's something amazing about the fact that the changing rooms are still in the cottage. Um, and if they were to... With the where it is in that Fulham area... Is very connected to that club. It's super white and middle class and wealthy, <laughs> but it is very kind of that's their club for the area. If you move it to Wembley, it's a long way. But so was West Ham. Yeah, true. And but, and and Upton Park was full of character, and the fact that you you know you live in your council flat and you can look out your window yeah. and you can see the pitch. So like, yeah. that was part of the community, part of the yeah. DNA. And they moved to a stadium that is not designed for football, and and you yeah. know we've spoken about that a lot. Yeah. If you're Fulham and you get a chance to move to Wembley, you take it. Yeah, true. You just do. Then um, think of the amount of teams. Oh, not to bang on about it too much. Think about the amount of teams who've moved stadium that have been further away than Fulham and Wembley. Yeah. There, there were there were times where Everton were going to move to Kirby. Yeah, it's true. So no, it's kind of, but I, I I can't see it happening very soon. I can't see it happening in the next five. They've years. got to stay in the Premier League. Yeah. And they've got to consi- they've got to become a consistent force in the yeah. Premier League. Um, we should move on to end feature, Jeffa. Get your uh, magic. Have you got a new song for us? I do. You ready? Yeah. No, it's the same. No, I really made an effort to go up. No, that's the same. Went up. Rog isn't here. It's just date night. You should have made an effort for me. Um, so last week's end feature, we all lost. Oh my god. Um, now, Jeff, you were very close. You vote. You betted on Everton to win. And Burnley to win, but Everton game needed both teams to score. Now, this is because Marco Silva hadn't kept a clean sheet in about 17 years of his managerial career. But now he's kept one. He kept one the one week that I gamble on him not keeping a clean sheet. You should probably gamble on that every week and Everton will be good. Yeah, but this is the problem with, with end feature. is <laughs> on the If you listen to go back and listen to The Shed last week, I was convinced that West Ham would beat Man United. And you didn't put money didn't on put it. I didn't put money on it because I'm a dickhead. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Ah, oh, so annoying. So, Rog also lost uh, Burnley to win and Liverpool to win and over two and a half goals. And I bet on Everton to win and one and a half, which is right. But I also bet on Liverpool to win and over two and a half. Now, this week we've changed up the end feature. Got to say, we're still up though. For the year, we're still oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you put all your money on all our bets, we're still up. So, And Rog is still winning, which we shouldn't shout mm. about too much. Um, 
But we've changed up M Feature, and you can get involved on Facebook. Each week on a Monday, we will put out what games we're going to bet on, and we'll pick two, three, four, and uh, you can put in your own bets, any good ones we might read out. Um, but we will only pick bets from three particular games. This week, we've gone for the Sunday games, um, because they look like the interesting ones. So we've got Fulham against Arsenal, which is a London derby. Southampton against Chelsea, which Chelsea will win. And Liverpool against Man City, which is the big game of the weekend. So, Jeffa, what have you gone for? It's pretty basic this week. I've gone for Chelsea to beat Southampton and Man City to beat Liverpool. Chelsea to beat Southampton and Man City to beat Liverpool. And what's that paying? That is paying $4.23. That's pretty, pretty solid. The, well, the, the money's in Man City beating Liverpool. I don't think anyone is quite as cynical about Manchester City as I am. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced they're going to beat them. Well, what, what, what have you put your money on, John? Well, I'll let you know what Roger's put his money on first. So, Rog, whilst he's sniffing, sniffing soil, <laughs> it gets hard to say, um, has bet on Hazard to score in 90 minutes and Chelsea to win the match and then to be over two and a half goals in the Fulham and Arsenal game. And that's paying $4.04. So that's Roger Gibbs. Um, what have I bet on? I can't remember. What did I bet on? Oh, no, I did. I put Chelsea to win and Arsenal to win, but both at minus one. And it's paying $6. Because I think Arsenal are going to smash Fulham, and I think Chelsea are going to smash Southampton. Interesting. I th- hope that Roger doesn't win. I hope that I win. And I hope that I can go out and buy a big fat burger and eat it with my face. <laughs> Good. <laughs> awesome. Um, have you got anything else before we leave? No, it's been great to have date night with you again, John. It's been emotional. Uh, there's something about doing the shed without Roger that's just a bit better. Well, there's less miserableness, isn't there? There's less. Uh, uh. I think it's called misery. Miserableness. Well, we can go with miserableness. Um, but thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back in the shed next week. Roger will be back from his soil escapade. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on social media and we're available on iTunes and Spotify. Tell your mates. Thanks, everyone. Bye.